where's the love? I think it's very fitting tonight that we talked about, okay, we need to, be, we need to grow in the love of Christ. Um, I, I think as we talk about Valentine's Day yesterday, did you have a good Valentine's Day yesterday? I hope you did. Hope you hopefully ate lots of candy. Hope you had a wonderful time. Uh, today is the day after Valentine's, and Valentine's Day is a wonderful day to celebrate your loved one. But I don't think that's the only day we can celebrate our loved one. I think we can do it more than that. So let's do that, okay? That's not the point of the message, though. Where's the love? John 13 is where we'll be at the start. I will tell you our other passage we're going to look at tonight, 1 Corinthians 13. When you talk about where's the love, you got to go there. And so, uh, so we're going to talk about John 13, verses 34 and 35. So let's stand. Let's read these two verses together. We'll pray again before we dive in, because I think if we get this tonight... It will affect our life, and it will affect our ministry. So let's, let's dive in tonight. John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Already convicted? I know I am. All right, let's pray. Let's ask God to convict us a little more tonight. And uh, let's, let's ask that the Lord not just impact us while we're here, but that he impacts us when we leave too. Because it's one thing to be impacted while we're in here. It's another thing to allow it to impact us the rest of the week. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to dive into your word tonight. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your tremendous love for me. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, for the cross of Calvary. Lord, I'm so thankful that you loved me enough to send forth your son. But Lord, that love is to motivate me and my love for others. Lord, help me tonight to represent your truth well. And Lord, help us tonight, Lord, to be impacted by this truth. Help it to not just be something that we just hear tonight, but help, us, help it to impact our lives on a daily basis as we go about our lives the rest of the week. And we pray this in, in the wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I've realized whenever I preach in church, if I have three points, I go way too long. So I only have two. I know I'm a terrible Baptist, but I only have two, okay? So two points tonight. It's on purpose because if I added a third, we'd be here till nine o'clock. I don't think anybody wants that. So our first point tonight is this, a real command. I think we have to understand this. If we're going to understand where's the love, how, how can I impact the world if I don't have the love of Christ? So here's, our, here's the real command. Jesus could not be more clear. John 13, 34. A new, what's the next word, church? Commandment. commandment. I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. You think Jesus is trying to get a point across to his disciples here? You are to love. Did the disciples always show love? No, they didn't. They were always batting head, banging heads to each other and always having issues. Why? They were people. I tell you what, in our church sometimes we have the same issue, don't we? And we need to understand that this is not an option. This is a command, and it cannot be more clear. What is the command? That you love one another. That you love one another. It's not determined by their lovability. Is that a word? I don't know. Is that, is that a word? Their lovability. Whether that person is lovable or not. You know, there are some people that are a little harder to love than others. I'm probably the chief of that, that kind of, that kind of range. Uh, some people are more lovable than others. Some people, it's hard to love. Because all it seems that every time you love them, it seems like the less they love you. And that, that just happens. 
But let me tell you something. It does, it's not determined by their lovability. It's not determined by their reaction to your love. Some people reject it. And let's be honest tonight. If we want to share the love of Christ with the lost and dying, guess what? They're going to often reject it. And it's not determined by whether they accept that love or they reject it. That's not the determining factor. This love that Jesus is talking about is service-oriented. We need to understand something in this passage. We just talked about this with the teens Sunday night. In this passage, Jesus gives the disciples a powerful illustration. Look back at John 13. Go back to John 13, verse 16. Okay, John 13, 16. What Jesus had just done was he had just washed the disciples' feet. This, we, don't, we don't get this very often because nobody washed your feet as you walked in the door, okay? All of our feet stink, let's just be honest, okay? Nobody washed our feet. I don't want, Barry, to you to take off your shoes in church, okay? Don't do it, okay? I did wash Josiah's feet because his feet are really small in youth group. I'm not going to do that tonight. But Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Now look at what Jesus says here in verse number 16. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that has sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Jesus had just washed their feet, and he goes, hey, the servant's not greater than his master. The servant is not in a position that is higher than his master. So if I'm willing to do this, you should too. I don't see anybody lining up to wash my feet tonight. And I don't blame you. But here's the thing, guys. If Jesus did it, guess what we should do? Serve others. That was his whole point. He's not asking you to physically wash each other's feet. He's saying, if I do this, and I'm willing to serve to this level, which was the lowest job of any servant, then you should do the same. Don't lose sight on this. This this is not that far apart. This is all the same night. They had just seen this. So here's the thing, church. No task is too big and no task is too small for us. If we really have love for each other, no task is too big for me to do for you. And no task is too small for me to do for you. No task is too big. Here's here's a verse I want to share with you. 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Sometimes as we get called to do something in a church, sometimes we go, well, I can't. I'm not, I, we get that Moses kind of complex, you know, where he's like, well, I, 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 I can't, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I can't, you want me to, you want me to sing? Do you know how bad I am? It's okay, there's going to be a whole bunch of people. It's okay. Look at this, 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Do you realize when he calls you, it's not about you? I've told our teens this many times. I never, ever thought that I would be a radio host for three hours a day. I never thought that as a teenager. I never thought that I would be a youth pastor preaching all the time. I never thought that. I would have laughed you out of the room if you told me that was going to happen. But faithful is he who hath called you who also will do it. As I look over my life, God had prepared me for this. I was at Rejoice Radio in Pensacola for seven years, I think. Something like that. 
it prepared me to be here to work with Dave. I learned stuff. I didn't always like it, but I learned stuff so I could be better equipped for this moment. Faithful is he who hath called you who also will do it, church. God may be calling you to do something that you're like, well, I don't know about this. Faithful is he who hath called you who also will do it. No task is too big because you're God. There, there is nothing too big for him. I think about this world. I think about the billions of people that don't know Christ as their Savior. And it's easy for me to go, this world is too big. I cannot reach it. Wait a second. My job is to be faithful. My job is to do what God has called me to do. And when we all do that, guess what? Great things happen. It's the truth. No task is too small. Go to John chapter 13 again. Hopefully you're there already. Let's look at verses 14 through 17 now. Here's the rest of the story. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an, what, church? An example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent Neither, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. I always mess that up. If you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. You see, it's one thing to know. It's another thing to do. We know we are to love the world. We know I'm supposed to share the gospel. But if I'm not doing it, the knowledge does nothing. This is where we get in trouble all the time. We know a lot of stuff and we never put it into practice. We don't. I preached this to, I think, our HTCA chapel last Friday. Too much is given, much shall be required. God has given us an awful lot, and we think there will never be a day of reckoning. There will be. One day I will stand before Jesus Christ, and I'll say, what did you do? And my works will be judged, and yours will be too. It's not just a pastor. It's all of us. Now, continuing on, back to our text, our main text, John 13. So the real command, that ye love one another. Look at John 13, 34 again. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. Look at the qualifying statement, as I have loved you. So, okay, it's easy for me to love you, to have a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's not easy for me to love you like that. It's not easy for me to lay down my life for you. That, that is asking a whole nother level here. Jesus is the example. Jesus is the standard, church. John 15, 13 says this, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did that. That is the love we're talking about, church. I'm not talking about a warm, fuzzy feeling. I'm not talking about something that the world may have. I'm talking about something completely different, a sacrificial love. A love that goes above and beyond what anyone would say is a reasonable call of duty. Jesus loved the people that rejected his love. One of the greatest examples when he's hanging on the cross, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. These are the people who hung him there. And Jesus forgave. Jesus loved. Would you? Got awful quiet, church. It's easy to go, amen, oh yeah, God's love is great. But then when we go, wait a second. I am to forgive those 
who kill me? That's asking a whole different level. That's the example he had. That's the example we are to follow. See, we, we cannot understand the next verse if we don't understand this one. This is not an option. This is a command. And Jesus could not be clear in what he says. You are to love each other as I loved you. The disciples don't understand it yet. They will. They don't understand it in this moment. Jesus hasn't died yet. They don't understand what's about to happen. We do. This is how we are to love. So, we got one point down. We're about 15 minutes in. We're good. Oh, don't worry. The second point is really long. So, it's okay. Number two. So, what we'll review, a real command. That's point number one. Point number two, our last one. A recognizable compassion. A real command and a recognizable compassion. I actually did it. I cannot believe it. It's alliterated. It's awesome. I know. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Okay. A recognizable compassion, John 13, 35. Look at this. By this, this kind of love that I'm talking about. Shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye love, if ye have love one to another? That verse has convicted me more than any other in Scripture. I wonder if the world, the reason why the world does not know that I am a follower of Jesus Christ is because I don't exhibit his love. I wonder if the reason why we are not seeing massive people come to know Jesus Christ is because we don't show love in this place. There's a lot of churches that treat each other with absolute, absolutely terrible in churches. And they won't sit by each other because, well, that person offended me. Guys, get over it. One of our themes in youth group is it's got to be bigger than that. It has got to be bigger than my petty differences. It has got to be bigger than that, church. It has got to be bigger than that. We have a world that is dying without Jesus Christ. And yet we always just seem to go like this all the time. What's the current death toll in Turkey and Syria? Like 30,000 or something like that? Like that, church. They're gone. Many of them did not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Does that affect you? Does it? Does it affect you that in our community people die and they may not know Jesus Christ as their Savior? Does it affect you? It should. It should. This love that Jesus is talking about here is to be what distinguishes us from everyone else. The distinguishing mark, what sets us apart from every other person in our community should be our love for each other. Huh. Do you understand tonight that this love is crucial to your service? This is where we get into 1 Corinthians 13 and where we spend a lot of time. So get ready. 1 Corinthians 13. This love that Jesus is talking about is crucial to your service. You want to serve Jesus Christ? This love is crucial. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 1. 
Look at what it says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, meaning you are the greatest orator the world has ever seen, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, meaning I am just noise. If you don't have charity. You may, you may have all the answers, and you may be able to discuss great deep things about Jesus Christ and his word, but if you don't have love, it is just noise. I think we've got a lot of noise because we don't really love. We don't show compassion when we witness. I've, been, I've, been, I've witnessed with people before, and they are absolute jerks. And I'm like, do you really think this is going to go anywhere? I'm not saying I have to be like, oh, yeah, you're great, and your sin is great. No. You can share the truth, but you can do it in love. Jesus Christ did it. Sometimes when you read through the Gospels, and you're like, man, Jesus, you came down awful hard on that really small thing that I would not think is a big deal. Jesus did it with a heart of love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Hmm. Good. Look at the next verse. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Now, we're going to pause right there. So don't read the rest. Don't cheat. Mark, no cheating. Okay? All right. Your knowledge do you see this? Though I, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, you can be incredibly intelligent. But if you don't have love, what's the point? You know, James talks about that. Okay, you see your brother who's naked and destitute of their daily food. And you say, hey, be warmed and filled. You know what James says? Wherein is the prophet? How does that help at all? If you go, hey, I hope you find clothes and I hope you get food, that, that, your words do nothing. And James is not going, okay, you have to give your clothes to that person and give the only food you have. He's saying, okay, you have abundance and you're not willing to give it. There's no profit. Huh. We have a lot of knowledgeable people. But where's the love? Right? You can argue, and you can talk, and you can, you can twist people up, and you can trip them up, and you can have the greatest apologetics the world has ever seen. But if you don't have love, you're not going to see any profit. Because you're not going to be any different than anybody else they talk to. There's a lot of knowledgeable people out there who could probably walk circles around most of us in this room. But you know what distinguishes us? Our love. It would distinguish Jesus Christ from everybody else was his compassion, his love. Jesus did not turn a blind eye to sin. And trust me tonight, that is not what I'm talking about, okay? I am not talking about turning a blind eye to sin. I don't think that is what we should do. I don't think that is right. But what I am saying is sometimes we go, well, I'm not going to turn a blind eye to sin. And we are absolute jerks. Where's the love? Where's the love? Look at this verse. Let's continue on in verse number two. You have permission now to read the rest of the verse. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. Man, that's a lot of faith. 
That's pretty cool. Even though the Bible tells us that it's a mustard grain, which we could talk about that later. But And have not charity, I am nothing. Your faith in this room means nothing if you don't have love. Let's just be, let's be honest tonight, church, because this is where I see the issue. We have love to each other, but we don't show it to anybody else outside. And we wonder why we're not making a difference, and we wonder why this place isn't bursting at the seams. Because we don't have love. Jesus could not have been more clear. This is one of the last times he's going to talk to his disciples before he dies. And the one thing he impacted them with the most is saying, hey, the new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and this is going to be your distinguishing mark. Don't you think we should pay attention? Hmm. So, your words, your knowledge, your faith even. Look at verse number three. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor... And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You can give away everything. And if you don't have love, there is nothing left. Bill Gates, is, he, he said he's going to give away all of his fortune before he dies. That's his goal. Cool. As far as I know, he does not know Christ as his Savior. Church, that's a great, noble thing to give away stuff. It's cool, good. But church, we have a bigger, we have a bigger purpose, don't we? It's got to be bigger than that. It's got to be bigger than me impacting the next generation. It's got to be bigger than that. It's got to be. This verse, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, a good thing. And that would be great if you gave a bunch of money to feed the poor. That would be awesome. I think, what was it, Michael Jordan just gave $10 million to some charity? I think Make-A-Wish charity. Cool. It's a great thing to give away. And though I give my body to be burned, possibly talking about martyrship, that, that would be a commendable thing. But he says, and if I don't have charity, it profiteth me nothing. I, I think if we were talking about Paul, one of those words that probably wouldn't come to our mind is a guy of love. He was a guy that was bold. He was a guy that went above and beyond. But here he is talking to a church that had major, major issues, the Corinthian church. And we're going to learn about that, I'm sure, as pastor goes through it. This church had major issues. And he goes, hey, you got to have love. It fixes it all. I think this is important. So, a recognizable compassion. To be, it's to be what distinguishes us. This, crucial is, this is crucial to your service. Now let's look at its characteristics. The characteristics of love. What does it look like? Because we're going to talk about love. That's a good topic, and it's great. You know, it's Valentine's almost day. But guys, we've got to know what it looks like, because this is what we should be exhibiting to each other. Let's look. Let's break it down. We've got time tonight. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 4. Charity suffereth long. 
we're going to change two of those words and we're going to call it long-suffering. You know, that's one of the characteristics of Jesus and her God, that he is long-suffering. Just by raising your hand tonight, who are thankful for the long-suffering of your God? Just raise your hand. Keep Guys, here's the thing. God is long-suffering. He is patient. Aren't you glad that he didn't give up the first time you heard the gospel? For me, I went to a church like this. I heard the gospel thousands and thousands of times. I did not get saved until I was 16. I am so thankful God didn't give up on me. So here's the thing. If God didn't give up on you, let's bring it back home. We can't give up on them. It's so easy to go, well, you didn't accept the gospel. I'm moving on to greener pasture. Wait a second. What if he did that to you? Charity suffereth long. Suffers. <laughs> There's a reason why that word is in there. It's not easy, right, to be rejected over and over and over and over again. Charity suffereth long. Look at the next part. And is what? Hmm. Remind you of a verse? Ephesians 4.32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Kind. That whole verse, Ephesians 4.32, again compares your kindness to the kindness of your God. (laughs) We struggle, don't we? Anybody else? I I don't like being kind. I'd rather be a jerk. (laughs) George, you with me? No? (laughs) I guess I'm a heathen. I'd rather be a jerk than be kind. I don't like putting my neck out there for other people. I don't like it. But that's what God tells us to do. Guys, if we're honest, hopefully, this is not a natural thing. It's not natural to love this way. It's not natural to put others' needs above your own. It's not natural to be long-suffering. It's not natural to be kind. It's not. If it was, then everyone would drive like little angels. And every drive through person would absolutely love life Why? We are jerks. We are. It's not natural. This kind of love is supernatural. It's got to be a work from the Holy Spirit to show this kind of love. I, I can't make this happen. I can't will it to be so. I can't all of a sudden just magically show the love of the Holy Spirit just poof, oh, there it is. No, it's, it's got to come from the Holy Spirit. He's got to work in my life. So here's another one. Continuing on in verse number four. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Do you envy other people? Maybe they, they get, you know, 
a windfall of money. Maybe they get good health. Maybe they get whatever it is. Maybe they, you see God answer a prayer in their life. It is easy to envy somebody else. If I have love, though, that won't happen. Why? I'll be excited for that person. Again, that ain't natural. And I know ain't a word, but I don't care. It's not natural, church. It's not natural to see someone exalted and you are still stuck in the same spot and you not to have envy. That is not natural. But you know what that is? That is love. Again, these verses, I am not sharing anything with you that is like magically, you know, brand new knowledge. This verse could not be more clear. Charity envieth not. It doesn't envy. It doesn't covet someone else. We're going to talk about more of these. We're going to keep going. It doesn't do these things. Look at the next one. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. You know what that means? It's not self-serving. It's not about itself. So often the ministries we do and the roles we play in church are all about me and my recognition. You know how that is evident? When someone gets honored and you don't. It shows your real view on things. Why are you doing what you're doing? It's not self-serving. It vaunteth not itself. Look at the next one. I love this. It's not puffed up. It's not self-serving. It's not self-building. Where you go, hey, hey, Ronnie, look at me. I'm awesome. I cut my hair. I look incredible. Yeah. Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> I appreciate that. He said what hair, in case you didn't hear. Um, guys, here's the thing. It's not puffed up. It's not about you. It's not about you and how many souls you reach with the gospel. It's not about you. It's not about you. You realize you can't breathe without God. You can't be here. You couldn't do anything. You would be a pile of dust if it wasn't for God. So who am I? Who are you? We puff ourselves up and go, well, I'm incredible. I reached 4,000 souls this year. Remember the um, Corinthian church, they're having this issue where it was like, well, I was baptized with Paul, and I was baptized with Apollos. And Paul goes, wait a second. I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. It's not about you. There's a lot of people that were probably in that chain to get that person to a place where they accept Jesus Christ. It is not about you. So stop puffing yourself up. Hmm. Look at the next one, verse 5. Doth not behave itself unseemly. You know what that unseemly is? It's rude. It's not rude. We are rude way too much. People in the service industry, I'm sorry. Americans are rude. And many times us Christians are not any better. You know, that server takes a while and they may not have the best attitude and we go, well, I'm going to tip you 5% because you didn't bring me my pup when I wanted to. Guys, get over yourself. That person may be having a bad day, 
So then you can share the truth of Jesus Christ so they could be saved and we screw it up because we're just jerks. And we go and say, okay, yeah, I'll give you a tip. And, oh, it's, it's $2. Let me put a gospel track on it. Wait a second. Well, Jesus paid it all. He made a huge difference in my life. And we don't do anything to make a difference in theirs. Huh. Think they're going to read that after their shift? They know they're having a bad day. They know, they're, they know, they're not, they know, they know that they're probably not the best server that day. And you talk to them and you treat them like a human being. And you say, hey, guess where I just came from? I just came from church. And, oh, man, you, you should have been there. It was incredible. And, oh, God did great things. And, oh, I want you to come. And, oh, man, man, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Look what God did in my life. And they're having a bad day. They want that. When I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know what this is, but okay. <laughs> you know, they took too long bringing me my pop, or they took too long to bring me my food, which is not on them, by the way. It's on the cook, so it's a guy back there that you're not even seeing. And you show them the love of Christ, I think they'd be more receptive to the gospel. Don't be rude. Look at the next one. Seeketh not her own. It's not self-seeking. I think that's an easy one. So often, even in our marriages, we're like, well, I'll see what you give me, and then I'll give you something a little bit better, maybe. You know what that is? A self-seeking. That is not love. It's not about me. It's not about you. We wonder why, you know, churches and Christians have the same statistics in marriage that the unsaved does because we don't show each other love. We don't understand it. Because I think we have lost sight of that. We've lost sight of the love of God. We, we don't think about it anymore. Jesus Christ did not seek his own well-being. You think it was easy for him to sit there and be mocked and to be ridiculed and to be smitten and to be spat upon and to place a crown of thorns on his head? And have his back, like the skin on his back, literally ripped off. You think that was easy? You think it was easy for him, the God of the universe, to hang on a cross? When he made those people, when he made that tree? You think that was easy? It wasn't. He didn't seek his own will. He sought yours. If that is his love, that should be ours, church. Hmm. Don't know about you, but I'm having issues. All of these are not me on a regular basis. Look at the next one. This one should hit home. Not easily provoked. How many of you have kids? Just raise your hand. You have kids. Okay. You know what provoked is. Okay? It is not that hard. Josiah and KK. I love them, but they're so funny. So KK will go run around the house. Josiah is like half a step behind her. So KK, my daughter, she's 10. My son is four, so if you don't know. He is like literally right behind her. He is constantly provoking her. You know that thing where it's like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. That thing, provoking. 
Travis and Lucas, they cracked me up. Travis, I was preaching at HCCA Chapel, and I'm like, give me something that you're thankful for. And Travis raised his hand, and he's like, that I'm the older brother. And I'm like, but how much? And he's like, 20 minutes. And I'm like, you know, he's, he's provoking his brother. That's what he's doing. Okay? Guys, we see it all the time. It's one thing to see kids provoked, but we provoke each other too. We go, <laughs> all the time we push our buttons just to see their reaction, just to see if they're walking in the spirit, right? <laughs> Come on, guys. We got to stop it. Not easily provoked. Now, the person that is being poked should not be easily provoked, but you should not be the provoker either. You shouldn't be stirring the pot. That is not a good place to be. And we got a lot of pot stirrers. And sadly, we got a lot of pot stirrers and not many servers, but that's a different point. What was, what was Pastor Belcher's quote about donuts or something? I can't remember what it was. I don't remember. Not everybody can hand out the cookies. There you go. It's not, it has nothing to do with donuts. I've got donuts on the mind. We have our Krispy Kreme fundraiser starting next week. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> We'll talk more about that on Sunday. Okay. <laughs> look, at the next, look at the next one here. Okay, we're going to keep moving here. So, not easily provoked. I think we can all see ourselves being easily provoked, don't we? It's, it's not that hard. I remember one time <laughs> I was about to preach on a Wednesday night. This was not tonight. Okay, this was not tonight. And I was doing something. I think we had discipleship class or something. And so I ran out and I, got, I went to McDonald's to get some food. So I got, I got it, and I'm like, man, why do they take so long? This isn't fast food. This is slow food. And I got a terrible attitude. And I can't remember what it was, but I was thinking about the Israelites and how they complained all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, man, those stupid Israelites, how could you complain all the time? And then God just took, like, he, this is how I say it. He took a two-by-four and just smacked me upside the head, just cracked it right here. And he said, Dan... You are a stupid Israelite, is what, is, what I, is what I heard. And so, guys, so often we're easily provoked and we complain and we have bad attitudes because I, I don't think we really know what it's like to go without. Now, look at the next one. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Look at the next one. Thinketh no evil. You know what that is? He's pure in thinking. Again, I, I'm not... I'm not you know, like some kind of new revelation tonight. I don't think it's very hard for us to see our world and to realize we live in a very impure world. My mom shared with me, she does this many times, where she shares something that she learned in her devotions. And she was reading in, I think it was Genesis 7, about the flood and where God repented him, where, he's, where he really goes and looks at people and he goes, I, I shouldn't have made them because of their bad choices. And I, I couldn't help but think, what is God saying about us tonight? Our world is the same. We live in an impure world that thinketh only evil continually. I wonder what he's thinking about our world. Do you realize that the world will continue to think like the world? It is our job to impact them with the gospel. That changes it. It's not my job to go, you should think more purely. It's my job to go, well, let me introduce you to the one who will change everything. That, that is my job. Amen. That is yours. Thinketh no evil, has a pure mind, is pure in thinking. <laughs> this next one. 
1 Corinthians 13, 6. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. What is truth? His word, himself, God, that is truth. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It's a person, this love that God wants us to have, rejoices in the truth. I think one of those things is our attitude when we come to a place like this. Dan, you're running out of time. Eh, probably not the best attitude, just saying. If I rejoice in the truth, I won't care about this. I will care about this. I should be able to preach till 10 o'clock tonight, and you should not complain. So there you go. Just saying. <laughs> Boom. Got it. All right. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Beareth all things. You realize you and I are to bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ? Huh. You know, that goes beyond just sitting in a church service at a prayer meeting and going, well, I'll pray for your prayer request one time. That means sometimes you've got to come up alongside somebody and help carry them. We had a basketball player get injured this year. It was very embarrassing for him. I know it was. He hurt his ankle. And a couple of our guys literally picked him up and carried him out of the gym. It was very embarrassing. He's like, oh, I hated that. Oh, that's so terrible. But you know what that is? He, they were bearing his burden. He didn't have to worry about hopping. He just had to worry about holding on. They were bearing his burden. Sometimes you and I need to get around each other and bear the burden. And go beyond just going, well, yeah, I'll pray for you one time. And we never think about it the rest of the week. We never text them. We never call them. We never reach out to them. And we just think that is enough. That is not bearing a burden. That is praying once. Bear all things. By the way, not just the big things. You see it? All things. Believeth all things. Believe that people can change. I think that is so important. Well, this person, they said this to me 28 years, from, uh, years ago. Who stinking cares? Move on. Believe that the Holy Spirit can make a change in their life and that God has done a work. If they're putting on a show, it's okay. Show them love. Show them compassion. You realize Jesus, when he washed the disciples' feet, he washed the feet of Judas Iscariot, who he knew was going to betray him. There are some people that you, that you have ministered for years, and they have done nothing but kick you in the teeth and treat you terrible and said terrible things about you. You love them. You believe in them. You, you believe that God can work in their life, and you continue to minister and show them love. Believe all things. Hope all things. Hopeth all things. Hope that God can do the work. There are some people that you may witness to, and you're like, I've witnessed to that person a thousand times. I, I think they are beyond hope. If they are breathing, there is hope. Do you understand me? If they are breathing, there is hope. There are people that come through our U ministry that may struggle and may struggle and may struggle and may go out and may come in and may go out and may come in. As long as they are breathing, there is hope. So often we write people off. Remember as a team, we had a, a youth rally of sorts, and it was probably not the best way to do this. I'll just share that with you. 
So we're having a pizza party, and it was kind of a cool thing. And we're like, okay, what we'll do is we will ride around in vans. And as we see a teen, we'll jump out of the van, and we'll hand them our invitation. This is in downtown South Bend, Indiana. Probably, I don't know who thought of this, but I'm not going to do that anytime to our teens, okay? It's not going to happen, Danica, okay? So we were going, and the adults would sit in the van, and of course the teenagers would be the ones to jump out and risk their life. Of course, right? That's how it works, okay? So they're driving the van, and we see these people, and they're all tattooed up, and they're rough looking, and I'm like, I don't want to talk to these people. Anybody else been there? Okay. So the adult is like, go on out. It'll be great. And I'm like, stop talking. Just stop. My friend Dave Kinsey, my best friend, great guy. He encouraged me so much. Encouraged me to get out and do things for Christ that I would have never done. Dave said, all right, Dan, I'll go if you go. And I'm like, fine. I don't want to be the heathen in the van. So we got out of the van. Two people, rough looking. All of a sudden, hello, right? The nicest people we talked to all day. I wrote them off. I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad that Dave didn't. Hope all things. Hmm. Here's the next one. Endureth all things. Ouch. <laughs> that one hurts, doesn't it? Anybody else? Endureth all things. They treat you like garbage. You endure it. Why? Because you have love. Jesus did this. He didn't write Peter off. Did he? No. No. Look at the next next verse, 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 8. Charity never faileth. But over there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Huh. Those are some pretty cool guests, by the way. Okay, just saying. Speaking in tongues, like it was not like an angelic voice. It was a literal language. How cool would that be if I went to like Peru, South America, and all of a sudden I could speak Spanish fluently? That would be awesome. And then I could go over to China and all of a sudden I could speak Chinese. I go to Japan, I can speak Japanese. I go to Korea, I can speak Korean. I can speak all these different languages. How cool would that be? Very clearly tells us that that ceased. But charity never fails. Those are some cool gifts. Knowledge, tongues, prophecies, cool gifts. But the greatest gift? Love. It'd be cool to serve God and go, okay, yeah, I could be Peter and stand up and I could speak in my language and everybody hears it in theirs. That would be a mind-boggling experience. There's a reason why the rest of those ceased. The message is complete. We have the word of God. We don't need it anymore. And we have the greatest one. Love. Hmm. I, don't know about, I don't know about you tonight. 
But my heart struggles with this topic. The topic of love. It struggles with the idea that this is not an option for me. That this is a command. I struggle with the fact that this is to be my distinguishing mark. Not my kindness. My love. For you. And for them. Church, did you get it tonight? Where is our love? If we want to make a difference, how many, we'll do this one more time. How many of you want to make a difference? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand tonight. Really, seriously, raise your hand. Okay. Vast majority of people in this room, it's going to take love. For you, it's up there. For me, it's over here. We'll do this. Love. It's going to take love. Why? This love is not what the world has. This love is foreign to them. It does not make sense. Sometimes they'll test you on it. Sometimes they'll treat you like garbage to see if you really love them or not. And so many of us have failed to test. Where is your love. 